Welcome to the Federation of Asian Canadian Lawyers, Faculty of British Columbia podcast. We are a diverse coalition of Asian Canadian legal professionals. We promote equity, justice, and opportunity for Asian Canadian legal professionals and the community. We foster advocacy, community involvement, legal scholarship, and professional development. The purpose of this podcast highlights the diverse and unique members of our community. We hope you enjoy our podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of Faculty VC. My name is Maggie and I'm currently a second year student at the Peter A. Allard School of Law. And I'm Charlene, currently an articling student at Connect Family Law. Maggie and I will be your co-host today. Our guest today is Angela Han. Angela is a lawyer and a life coach based out of Maryland in the U.S. Angela is our first guest from south of the border and we are so excited to have you. Thank you for joining us today, Angela. Today's episode will be about your experience with mental health as well as your experience being a life coach. Before we begin, we would like to start off with icebreaker questions. And so we know that Angela is not only a lawyer, a life coach, but she is also an amazing mom. Can you tell us a little bit about your kid and how it's been being a mom? Yeah, she is almost two years old. We have the same birth month. I turned 32 this year, she turns two this year. And so it's been really fun having her in my life. Oh, that's awesome. Does she have a favorite activity that she does with you? She changes every single day. And she does love reading a lot. And she loves to be angry a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And likes to be happy a lot. Yeah, the toddler age. That's cute. And how about yourself? What are some of your favorite things to do outside of work? Outside of work, I like to cook. I think that's very meditative for me. Right now, I'm trying to walk a little bit more because I'm seven months pregnant and my pelvic floor hurts a lot. And so my therapist has said that I should do more walking. And so I've been trying to do that. And that's been very helpful for my mental health. Awesome. Thank you. So let's move on to the first topic of today's podcast, which is your experience with mental health. So when and why did mental health emerge as an important topic in your life? Well, I was born in Los Angeles, but then I was raised in Seoul, South Korea, and then I came back to the States for college. There was a bit of a culture shock, and so I was a bulimic for seven years. That was just one way that I coped, because I didn't know any other way to cope with the culture shock, and I just wanted to feel something, I think, at the time. And so food was my solace. How do you take care of your own mental health now? That was many years ago, but it was a lot of different steps. Like a lot of the times our lawyers make the mistake of wanting to find the magical way of taking care of themselves. But I think it has to do with experimentation. You have to be a, a bit of a scientist where you try a few things. And in the beginning, the thing that helped me was exercise and different types of exercise. And so when I tried exercising, it helped me feel physically stronger, which then helped me feel mentally stronger. And so that was one way that I dealt with it at the time. But there were still things like even when you are exercising and when you're working out, you still experience anxiety. And so it's about stepping into you being human and realizing that you're human. You're not just a lawyer. And that you have a human brain that's separate from a lawyer brain. Your lawyer brain is going to teach you to be right or wrong and perfect and all of those things and have all the answers. But your human brain is just going to help you feel your feelings and think your thoughts and just hold space for yourself. And so I think that's what it boils down to, being able to honor your thoughts and feelings, which are part of who you are. Thank you for that, Angela. 
I also wanted to ask you, what are some ways you think in which lawyers can combat loneliness and worthlessness in their daily practice when they frequently make mistakes, especially as junior lawyers? I think the first thing is that we make it a problem that we make mistakes. And so I would first question that. Why is making mistakes such a big problem, right? And most of the time, unless you're in a toxic environment, making a mistake is part of the process. It's like going into first grade and learning how to be part of a classroom setting and learning how to do single digit, double digit math for the first time. And your teacher will tell you how to do it and you will still make mistakes. You will still have times where you think six plus six is 10. <laughs> and so does that mean that you're doomed for the rest of your life? It only means that you made a mistake at the time. And so the question is, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to spiral into thinking that you're going to forever think that six plus six is 10? Or are you going to make it work in your favor so that you can learn from it and then move on to whatever makes sense for you? Yeah, absolutely. It's important to have a perspective outlook when things like that happen. And then that ties into the next question. How do you pull yourself together in times where you felt like a failure? And did you have any tips to overcome that feeling? So I would also, same thing there, get curious about why you think you are a failure. First of all, I would like to encourage or invite anybody who feels like a failure to hold some space for themselves because chances are you think that you're a failure because you are living somebody else's story they're like oh you have to have perfect grades you have to have the perfect answers you have to have no mistakes in your memo or you emailed or whatever and so when you don't do it exactly the way you envisioned it yourself to do or you say the wrong thing in a call and it was really an earnest mistake <laughs> or you don't get the job that you want and you think that that means, again, that you're doomed for life. We have been told, even in law school too, oh, if you don't get this particular job, then you are a failure. And so the only reason we think that we are a failure is because that we are buying those stories and those narratives. And so the question is, like, what is a story that feels safer to you? Chances are, if you are already seeing your worth and you're seeing that you already have a lot of value to offer, starting with your energy or starting with your interests or starting with just the person that you are and know that you have value to offer, then that is the story that can help you understand that it's not possible for you to be a failure if you believe that you are able to offer that value. Thank you for that. I think that's really helpful in all walks of the law, but especially because I was a first year last year and the OCI process was really competitive and anxiety ridden. And so I think that's really good to have in the back of our minds when we're going through processes like that. So thank you for that. My next question for you is what would you change about the profession if you could? I think the first step is for us to recognize that there's a lot of bullshit around like the expectations of being a lawyer that we are, again, those stories that we are supposed to be perfect. I don't ever correct my mistakes on my podcast because I feel like that's just part of being human, right? Nobody's going to be like, oh my gosh, you said that word wrong. How dare you have a podcast, right? And if there are people like that, they're not the right fit. But unfortunately, there are people in the law who are like that. People who are like, how dare you call yourself a professional if you are making mistakes, if you're not wearing the right suit, if you're not saying the right sentences, and so I think the way I show up in the world is just dismantling that belief that we need to be perfect. 
by being the example of imperfection so that people feel like they have permission to be imperfect and still be very successful. Thank you. So that wraps up my questions on mental health. We can move on to questions on your experience as a life coach. Thank you, Maggie. I feel like a lot of the questions I've already gone over ties in pretty closely with you being a life coach as well and your experience there. But can you just explain to us briefly what you do as a life coach and how you transitioned into this career path? When I first graduated in 2017, I knew right away that I couldn't just do law for the rest of my life. Ever since I came to the States, I had multiple part-time gigs and stuff just to keep myself occupied from the loneliness of being here on my own without my family. And so I was very used to that multiple gig life. And so after I graduated, I was like, oh, wow, like this nine to five situation is not going to work for me. I knew that I had to take on additional projects. So then I became a personal trainer because I had the experience with exercise overcoming my bulimia. And after I became a personal trainer, people were like, well, I want more than just exercise. And then so I became a health coach and people said, well, I want more than just health. And so I became a life coach. Thank you. And do you primarily work with lawyers or do you have clients from other fields of work too? I work with about eight to 10 lawyers at a time. And right now they're all lawyers except for one. Okay. And what do you find to be a common thread amongst your clients in terms of why they struggle with their mental health? I don't really call it a struggle. I don't think that it's really a struggle that they're going through. People ask me a lot, like, what's the difference between therapy and coaching? Therapy is if you're underperforming and then you need to get up to base level, that's therapy and requires clinical expertise. And coaching is if you are base level and then you want to thrive, that's for coaching. Because my job is to get them from baseline to thriving, it would be a thought error for me to assume that they have any issues. They already are performing really well. But sometimes they believe that they are underperforming. Sometimes they believe that they're not doing enough. And so my job is for them to help them see the truth that they are doing enough and that none of the problems that they're going through are actually problems. It's actually all working in their favor. Right. I really like how in a lot of the things that you've told us so far, a lot of it is about seeing it from a different perspective and reframing what we've been told to believe from either the legal system or society in general. And I can imagine that each person would have their own goals and challenges. And generally, just through your work, how have you seen your clients grow or thrive through this coaching experience? Ultimately, they come to me for tangible results. And in that process, they feel better. And so ultimately, I help them build a new business or expand their current business. I help them quit their jobs, find new jobs. I help them have a better relationship with their families. And so pretty much everything that you can think of in life, in that process, they're able to do those things. But those are really like bonus results because the winning result is that they have a better relationship with themselves. When they have that better relationship with themselves and they're able to achieve all of those external results of finding and designing and building a life that they feel good about. Thank you. 
I like how what you're saying also a lot of times comes back to acknowledging and believing in your self worth. That's a big and important starting point for a lot of the things that you want to achieve and grow in. Is there anything that you would like to say, especially to people from the Asian background working in the legal field? There will be times as a minority that you will feel out of place, that you will feel like you don't belong. You will also find yourself trying to overcompensate, trying to follow that mainstream professional persona, which is being a white man. And so you will feel inadequate because you're not a white man, as silly as that sounds, because we never talk about it. We never actually voice that out loud. But that is a subconscious belief that has been ingrained into the back of our heads, where if we're not a white man, then we need to work twice, three times, four times, ten times as hard to achieve the same things that they have. There will also be times when people who perpetuate that narrative will tell you, "Oh, you're just being sensitive. Your race has nothing to do with anything. Your gender has nothing to do with anything." And there will be people and the stories that will tell you. That your experiences are not legitimate, or invalid, or not real. I think the important thing is for you to recognize that how you feel. Like if you say something wrong in a call or in an interview, and you feel like you are not good enough because you are Asian and because you are a woman, that is a legitimate experience. That experience, that personal feeling, can coexist with the fact that. Society is progressing as a whole to be more inclusive and be more embracing of minorities and women and other marginalized categories. That would be what I would say. The first thing is don't gaslight yourself. Don't think that your experiences are quote unquote too sensitive. And number two, instead of making those experiences a weakness, allow yourself to feel those feelings. And make them a fuel for your journey. For me, for example, I have had so many experiences as a Korean woman. There are so many stories about how if you're an Asian woman, you're supposed to be submissive and you're supposed to sit down and shut up. But I realized after those experiences, that's not the story that I want to perpetuate for upcoming generations who look like me. And so I decided to be the example where I am not gonna sit down and shut up. I am going to say what's on my mind, and be open about my mistakes, and tell people that it's okay to make those mistakes, and redefine what professional really means. That it shouldn't be just this narrow definition of what you look like and what you wear. That's what I would say. Even if you feel like it's making you feel weak. It can fuel your own story on how you want to show up in the world. Thank you so much. That is really powerful. Taking our own sense of self worth and identity and how we want to present ourselves into our hands, rather than just being defined by other people and what they want us to be. So, thank you very much for sharing that. Do you have any sort of last comments that you want to leave with us before we wrap up? Trust yourself. That's really the only option that's going to propel you forward the fastest. Yeah, thank you so much for being here with us, Angela. And we're very honored to have you here and to hear the insights that you've shared. Thank you to our listeners as well, and we will see you next time. Thank you for tuning into the Faculty BC podcast. Visit our website at facultybc.ca and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Faculty BC. We hope you enjoyed our episode today, and stay tuned for the next guest. 
If you have guest speaker suggestions, please email us at membership at faculbc.ca.